Welcome everybody back to the Phillies Nation podcast here on this Thursday morning, recording Wednesday night. I'm Ian Riccoboni and I'm joined by a man who just returned from the land of the rising sun for the 80th, the 80th time. And of course, that is uh, my host, my co-host, Steve Carino, the king of old school. Steve, welcome back to North America. Ohio gozaimasu. Ah, bless you. <laughs> How's everything? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Um, you are quite the renowned globetrotter and uh, following your exploits on Twitter. And, of course, we were catching up uh, about the Phillies uh, on Twitter, you know, to save on cell phone fees. <laughs> so um, a lot of a lot of great stuff with the Phillies that have been happening uh, in while you were away. But I know you were actually keeping up with the team. And, uh, but you know, I want to, I want to address you first. I mean, 80th tour of Japan, that's kind of incredible. Is it, that's gotta be some sort of record for an American wrestler. Pretty close. I, I think I want to say I'm in like sixth or seventh all time place for, uh, amount of tours like Abdul, the butcher, Dory Funk Jr. Um, Stan Hansen, guys like that made so many, so many more trips than, than I have. But yeah, number 80, this is the first time I've been there in four years and, Man, how technology has just changed in four years. You know, before I used to have to go to an internet cafe or I'd have to plug in some sort of pretend high speed internet. But, you know, the power of Wi Fi everywhere and the uh, MLB.tv package and stuff like that. Man, I stayed abreast of everything that was going on, not just with my family, but with the Phillies all tour. And, I, I got to watch some games, and it, it's tough with a 14-hour time difference from the Eastern Standard Time. It, it was tough to watch games live, but you know, once again, the power of MLB.tv was if I stayed off Twitter and I, I, I didn't look at everything real quick, man, I could throw my headphones on, put my Kindle Fire up, put punch into my account, and I could watch the games like it was you know live, and uh, it, it truly is – one of those like cool things about the, the world and and technology and you know my hats off to major league baseball for for really stepping up their game with you know how somebody you know that lives in Japan or Europe or, or you know somewhere else you know, I live in North Carolina but I'm I'm a Phillies fan you know how we can watch baseball is just an amazing thing yeah and I saw you and uh, CW Anderson went to the major league baseball cafe it looked like and Baseball is pretty big in Japan, no? Oh, it's huge! It's huge, you know. And uh, we we were wrestling at Corken Hall, which is right next to the Tokyo Dome where the Tokyo Giants play. And it was one of those like cool things they they had expanded the MLB Cafe in Tokyo. We went in, checked it out. They had uh, some some cool uh, artifacts, I guess you would call them, or uh, and memorabilia. You know, Ichiro Suzuki's. Glove with a gold glove was in there, but everything was Yankees because of because uh, of Kuroda and uh-huh. I, I'm I'm sorry Tanaka I'm, I don't know why it's the Kuroda, but it, it's just one of those things that it, it was so cool and it, it's so cool to see uh, how Major League Baseball is, is a major part of uh, you know Japanese sports fans. Yeah, it's incredible how it's it's such a worldwide game. Uh, I mean, I went I remember uh, I've never been to Asia, but I've been to Ghana and. Uh, Ghanaian folks are mostly into soccer and they've had some success in the World Cup, but I was surprised how many people knew I had a Phillies hat and they didn't necessarily know the team, but they knew it was baseball. 
and they wanted to talk baseball and they wanted to say Yankees and um, how many conversations that started. So, you know, baseball, while we think of it as America's pastime, is, is truly now global. And I think, like you said, with the increase in high speed Internet, uh, I think that's I think the game has the potential to grow even even further. And especially with things like the World Baseball Classic and, um, you know, Major League Baseball does seem to be making quite the international effort. You know, the Phillies have a number of training systems and, and training camps throughout the world in South America, Dominican Republic, um, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if baseball keeps growing and growing. And, you know, we see that with football. Football's grown to an extent in, in America. It's the, the, you know, the, the highest revenue grossing sport. But I think baseball has the most potential worldwide other than perhaps soccer. I, I think there's more places that haven't been touched yet by baseball, though. Yeah, and that's that's the cool thing is you know baseball is, is such a a sport where you know football you're hitting each other, soccer you know you're kicking, and I know there's strategy. I'm not, I'm not a fan <laughs> uh, of either one, but you know baseball is such a game of you know um, just I mean just just a game of cerebral warfare, and you know and now with cybermetrics and stuff like that, I I love to see young kids get into it. Because it, it kind of is a complicated game. <coughs> oh, yeah. excuse me. Oh, and, that's... Uh, but yeah, that's I, I love it. But what were you doing in Ghana? I, you know, is that a real place? <laughs> it is. It's uh, next to Parts Unknown. No, it's in. Uh, it's no, in Parts Mo- Unknown is in Paradise. <laughs> well, say yeah. Give my regards to my good friend, the Warlord. Uh, <laughs> the Ghana is. Uh, Ghana is in West Africa, and I was fortunate enough to study there and uh, had one of the more interesting moments that some of our listeners might get a kick out of. Uh, When I was in Ghana, um, you always wonder, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, they have these shirts ready to go in, you know, for whoever wins the World Series, whoever wins the Super Bowl. I went in January 2006. I was there for about three weeks, and I was walking around, and I was in I was stunned at how many 2005 Super Bowl Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles championship shirts. Wow. Yeah, I saw in the community. And I know that our friend Bob Evans uh, has a 1985 New England Patriots Super Bowl shirt. So these things do exist. And uh, it was just kind of surreal to see not only one, but more than one. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame you couldn't get you couldn't get one. I know, I know. I I was I believe me. I was looking once. I saw one on uh, a child. Uh, it really like I really wanted to see if I could grab one somewhere. Um, I didn't see anybody right off his back. Well, <laughs> well, the interesting thing was I actually, you know, they the folks we met with and a lot of the, the folks we met with, it was almost like the soccer tradition. And it wasn't quite like you, like they do literally where they take the shirt off their back. But if you have something interesting on you, um, they're very willing to trade for something that you find interesting. So uh, very, you know, very interesting characteristic <laughs> of the Ghanaian people. And uh, my wife was actually there for, for quite a while, but that, that might be another, <laughs> another story for another podcast, right? Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. But uh, while you were away, um, we were communicating on Twitter and whatnot. And man, this, this Phillies team is on a roll. Geez, six out of their last seven. Is right. That... They're exciting, right? Yeah. It, it's, the record now sets at seven, three, and one. Uh, today, the Phillies 
won both of their split squad games. Um, of course, two homers in and one game for Rupp for Darren Ruff, and he did that. I'm sorry for Ruff against the Orioles, and then Cameron Rupp. Uh, he had two home runs in the four to two win over the Twins. Now, one of the things that I noticed is that a lot of the hitters that we have a lot of as Phillies fans and Phillies observers have our future pinned on have been doing exceptionally well. And before we get into individuals, I want to throw this to you. Do you think that's more of a reflection of maybe off-season conditioning, or do you think there's some element of the in spring training, the hitters might come out a little bit hotter than the pitchers? I think this team has a concept of no one believes in us, and we're going to go for broke. And we're looking at a lot of the guys that are the future of the Phillies organization. And what's wrong with winning spring training games right now? Of course, you know, we're going to be 72 and 90 in the in the regular season, and everybody knows that. But for right now, it's these kids that are going to come up in a year, two years, three years, that are giving it their all and showing everybody that, hey, man, we're in for the long haul and we're going to we're going to show everybody what the next golden age of Phillies baseball is all about and i i believe that it's it's infectious in you know Pete McCannon i you know i i don't know him very well but he seems to have a grip on his players and they're they're playing for him and that's what i love to see so i don't i think it's a, a case of they know they have nothing to lose so they're going to come out and just be relaxed and do what they have to do. And, but they're playing good, fundamental baseball. And, and that's going to be the key to their development, maybe. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's from top to bottom. I mean, you have guys who are coming in trying to win spots, like outfielders like David Lowe, Cedric Hunter, um, who are on that maybe reaching for their last grasp at Major League playing time. Or maybe maybe not the last grasp, but if they don't latch on now – it's going to get increasingly tougher down the line. And they're delivering. They're playing well. And you have guys at the opposite end of the spectrum, like uh, like Roman Quinn, who came out today. Another two hits. Uh, he had a big triple. Uh, one of the fastest guys I've ever seen live. I saw him in the Arizona Fall League in 2014. And I swear, when I say I've never seen anybody faster, that's an accurate statement. <laughs> um, he's blazing speed. Absolutely. It was like, it was like sparks flew out of his cleats as he was going around. <laughs> and, I mean, he's delivering, uh, Oduble Herrera against the, against the Orioles today. He came up with a, his second double. Um, and then you have guys right in the middle of the spectrum, like Peter Borges, who, you know, he's in his late twenties. He's always been an, an okay player, but he's hitting three fifty three. He had a double. Uh, he had two doubles today. Um, and, you know, he he's looking pretty good. And then, you know, right again in that middle of the spectrum, Darren Ruff, two home runs, three RBIs. Uh, Cameron Rupp, who's battling for one of the catching spots, he had two home runs. Everything seems to be clicking. I don't even know where to start with this team. And usually when I say that, that's a bad thing because that usually means the, bottom's fall, the bottom has fallen out and uh, there's nowhere to go but up. But it's, you know, I'm bracing, I'm bracing for the letdown here, Steve. See, I, I'm not because I, I think that, you know, the time's going to come once the 25-man roster is done and, you know, we're going to take a couple beatings and, you know, we're going to see how Ruiz and Howard do in, in these final years of their contract. And 
you know, what, what moves can be made. And, you know, I, I had seen that Johnny Peralta went down and I thought, man, what a spot for Freddie Galvis, mm-hmm. you know, and what harm would it do to bring up Crawford this year? And, and I understand that, okay, let's bring him up in a year or two because, you know, free agency, yada, 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 will be better at that time. I get it. But I look at all the possibilities of even getting better with the pieces that we have, you know, um, right. <clears throat> say Alvarez goes down in Baltimore. Ryan Howard could be that guy. He's Alvarez, you know, who goes down as a catcher, man, you, you put Ruiz in that spot and, you know, say thank you for so many good years, but it's, it's time to move on. And I look at all these young players, the hunters, the, uh, even Borges and stuff like that. And these guys are playing their hearts out. And I, I think that it, you know, depending on where they end up, whether they're on the 25 man roster, whether in their Lehigh Valley, whether in their Reading or extended spring training, these guys are learning how to play together. They're learning how to win. They're learning fundamental baseball. And we're, we're closer than I thought we were two weeks ago. Yeah. It, it seems like the, the timeline. And of course, we always want to caution small sample size and whatnot. We're, you know, we're, we're 11 games into spring training, but it seems like, you know, if the plan originally was to be competitive in three years, it feels like the plan, instead of being two years and, you know, it's instead of being two years and 50 weeks, cause we've moved two two weeks ahead in real time. <laughs> it feels like it's now two years and maybe 35 weeks. Like it feels like there's the gap has narrowed a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I'm wondering, though, I'm wondering if it has anything to do, you know, with pitchers getting stretched out, getting their arms loosened out um, and maybe, you know, getting some continuity with the catchers. And that's actually where I'd like to start today, because it's been very strange. The Phillies have gotten a lot of production out of the catching out of the catcher position in spring training. Oh, and I, and I love it, you know, because that's that's usually not a spot, you know, especially the last couple of years that you know, with with Chooch getting older, you know, it's not something that you're you're used to anymore. And I, I think you know this this team needs power. You know, we, we have a lot of speed now, and we got some defense and stuff like that. But we need power. We need protection. Uh, Franco is gonna he's gonna hit some home runs if he's got somebody behind him. You know, that's that's an, that's enough of a threat that they got to pitch to one or the other. And when you get that production out of the catchers, it just it helps everything. It helps everybody. And I, I like that uh, the catchers are, you know, working well with the pitchers. You know, you don't see many cross ups. You don't see many mound visits and, and you see them working in sync. And, you know, that's that's going to be so important for for uh, the future. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned power, and I'll I'll just read off a couple stat lines here. So, uh, JP Aaron Cibia today, um, he's a guy. You know, if you had to put a gun to my head at the beginning of spring training, I would say, nope, not on the team. But now he's hitting three eighty five, uh, OPS is one point one nine eight, which not sustainable, but that's really freaking good. Uh, he's he had two hits today. They were both doubles. One off our good friend Vance Worley. Um, you know, and he right now is probably your fourth or fifth option at catcher. Uh, the other, another, you know, another name, Andrew Knapp, Andrew Knapp. Uh, he did not play today or I'm sorry. He did at DH. He was 0 for four. His average dropped to 308. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah. And, and the small sample size. I don't know. Sometimes they use that. That's an excuse. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a, 
you know, these guys are playing together. I understand it's early, but somebody's got to win, and it right. might as well be us. <laughs> and then, you know, we look, we look, uh, you know, we look up a little bit. Cameron Rupp, he went two for three today. The two homers, both solo homers, two runs scored. Um, you know, Cameron Rupp is now hitting five hundred. <laughs> yeah, just, it's, I mean, and it, and you know, he he really is bad in my game, right? It, I, I think I think he's hitting. He was hitting one sixty four, and I couldn't even put him on the playoff roster. And I oh, like Cameron Rupp. Yeah, but like he hit one sixty four for the the uh, regular season for me, so I couldn't I couldn't put him on the, was, the roster. Was that the show or was that out of the park? No, it's it's the show. I'm I'm in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, okay. Because I, uh, I just, I just touched base with our good friend Brad Cook. Uh, good guy, yeah. absolutely. And uh, you know, he he hooks us up with the media version of Out of the Park, and what a great game! I, I would definitely advise anybody who's listening to check that out. Uh, Cameron Rupp, we, sh- not- we should have him on the show one day. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, he'd be a great guest. Um, you know, we got to tell him to make Cameron Rupp a little better in the game, though, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> in Out of the Park sixteen. It doesn't really cut it, but <laughs> what's interesting to me is uh, right now, I would definitely say Chooch has the inside track, uh, just from at least a defensive standpoint and from a, uh, you know, just veteran leadership standpoint. You know, he's sitting 235. He's a guy that, you know, if he heats up, definitely, like you said, could be of interest for a team. I have him as the default starter. Um I think right now you're looking at Rupp. I mean, how can you argue with a guy who's hitting 500? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he has that experience from last year. But then, I mean, JPR and Sebia, he played a little first base today as well. Um, You know, that's really of interest to me because they're taking a look there. You know, if you hit, you'll find a spot to play. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, he can... You can provide value because right now Andres Blanco is listed as the emergency catcher. So <laughs> having a third catcher, uh, not always a bad move. So Aaron Sebia, especially with a you know a veteran like Ruiz on the team. So Aaron Sebia, I would think, would be in third. And then you have Knapp, who's hitting 308, got a lot of power, and Jorge Alfaro. Um, they're probably battling to be either 1A or 1B with the Iron Pigs and then 1A or 1B with, with Redding. But that's, I mean, I'm excited about about what's behind the plate. I, I am too, and I, you know, Aaron CB, I, I want to see make the team, and you know, there's only so many spots, but I, I do like him at first base. But once again, we need, you know, can, do we make a move with Howard? Can we make a move with Howard? And Aaron CB, you know, maybe becomes a, a two day a weeker, and we give we give Ruff that that opportunity to, to start like. Yeah. Show me what you did in Reading. Show me half of what you did in Reading. This job is yours. Well, it's interesting because he's getting that shot right now, and uh, for the last couple of games, he's just hit. He's hit the the cork out of the ball. You know, he's hit the rubber. And he looks <laughs> confident too. He does, and you know, I'm wondering maybe if Ryan Howard just has this mysterious illness for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> they, they oh, say, what say, a shame, right? Like, I I don't want to see it because of what he's done for the team. But I, I really wish that we could find a, a different home for Ryan Howard because he, he just, he blocks people from, you know, getting there. And, and I understand we got to pay him $35 million more, but you know, what do you do with them? And I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Ryan Howard. You know, I had dinner with him once right before he got called up. He was a, he's a terrific, terrific person. 
Uh, he gave my my son Colby a a, a bat that was signed, and wow. a couple of other players that you know, Victor, our uh, Victorino Ruiz, uh, Gavin Floyd is on this bat. These guys were all in in Scranton at the time before they all got called up. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but for me as a Phillies fan though, too, that wants to see this team get better, I believe that we got to find room for Howard on another team. Dear Pittsburgh, take him. <laughs> and give and give Ruff that chance. And if Aaron Seabee has got to be the backup, yeah, so be it. I think that'd be great. Well, and that gives them some some interesting flexibility. And you know, there's there's a guy that was stuffed down in Reading last year that a lot of people were saying was the next Darren Ruff. <laughs> I mean, Reading Reading has some park effects that increase the likelihood of home runs. Um, and Brock Stasi was a guy. I like him. Yeah, he he took advantage of that. He hit. I'm looking at his stats right now. He hit 15 home runs last year, and Redding hit 300 uh, with a 394 on base percentage. So, you know, for me, I don't necessarily look at the batting average. I look at the difference between the on base percentage and the batting average. You know, he's walking one out of every 10 plate appearances, which for me is is great. The problem with Stasi. Um, you know, he's right now in spring training, he's hitting 417, 429 on base percentage, you know, small sample, obviously in six games, but he's already 26. So you're running into a lot of the same things that you did with Ruff because Ruff was a late bloomer also. And, you know, I agree with you. I think right now Howard is, is a warm body that you gotta, you gotta fish or cut bait here. And cause Stassi's not getting any younger. Ruff's no. not getting any younger. Um, from a player standpoint, you know, in my opinion, Stasi has had the better numbers. He's got more plate discipline. Um, but if you know, maybe you give him half the year in Lehigh Valley, and, and you give Ruff his first real shot to start at first base, and you see how both of them do, and maybe you know, maybe alternate or, or figure out a way to to figure that out. I mean, but here's here's another option. Let's say they're able to cut Howard or able to find a taker, which. I think the latter is doubtful. Stasi is a left-hander. Yes. So, I mean, there's the potential there to platoon those guys and to have two relatively young, super cheap options at first base. Stasi also plays a little bit of left field. So, you know, you're, he could be your, your backup first baseman, your sixth outfielder yeah, um, kind of fills in. It's I'm interested to see where Stasi fits because I do think Darren Ruff is going to make the team. I think he's hit. he's going to hit his way onto the team. I know in earlier podcasts, I thought he might not be a Philly, but I'm feeling that he's going to be at first base. I, I feel you too. Now, here, here's a question. What is the chances the Phillies cut ties with Ryan Howard? They don't, they don't have a taker for him. They don't have a spot for him. Can you justify eating $35 million? Yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a kid when... I, I think I was 13 when the Phillies released Steve Carlton. And, and, you know, from the books that I read, like Bill Giles, like begged him to retire. Don't make him, you know, don't make me release you and stuff like that. And I remember being a 13 year old kid being angry, even though that like I knew Carlton was washed up. Right. You know, do, do they give him the option? Say, hey, look, if you retire, if you, do, you know, we'll make sure that you get your money or. You know, can you, you know, do something? Because I, I just can't see the Phillies writing a check for $35 million and saying, thank you, Ryan Howard, and we're going to let you go on somewhere else. But, like, what can you get for him anyway? Yeah, so I, 
I look across the I look across Broad Street or I look across Patterson rather and and um I see the Eagle Stadium <laughs> and I see Lincoln Financial Field and I think of what just happened there and it was essentially a culture purge because I don't know if you saw I know you're not a big football fan but Howie Roseman the general manager of the Eagles uh essentially cut ties for you know, maybe 90 cents on the dollar with every player that Chip Kelly, the previous coach, acquired the previous year, acquired last year. Wow. Yeah, and there were some interesting trades, um, some better than others. I don't know if it's in the water in Philadelphia. Um, $35 would be unprecedented to tell somebody to stay home. Right. But they did just give Cliff Lee $12.5 million to stay home. Right. So maybe this is where you hit the reset button because, you know, I I think a lot has been made of the culture change. And I think a lot, you know, I hear a lot of folks and I see a lot of folks on the Phillies Nation Facebook and some on philliesnation.com say the Phillies need a leader. But then I look and see that Chooch is still there and Ryan Howard is still there. So I'm thinking maybe they need a reset. I, I agree. And I think, is it likely... No. Is it the right move? Yes. And, I, and it's unfortunate, too, that it, right. it has to be that way. Yeah. And I and I say that with full consciousness of, of the things that he said. And like we discussed, I mean, to see somebody pour their heart out like that um, to the media and essentially finally give us a glimpse into what's going on inside of his heart and in his head. You know, you feel you start to feel for him because a lot of people just see that that monster contract and the dwindling numbers and they just think, look at this schmuck. But he's a schmuck who has feelings and who has, you know, he's he's got family that's screwing with him and he's got, you know, this, that and the other thing. And, you know, as a guy, you know, he's he's a very nice guy. And like you said, you've had dinner with him. I've interviewed him uh, when he was at Lehigh Valley. Like, good dude. Yeah, who loves baseball? Like, yeah. and just for for a guy, and this is such a, a weird comparison, but he, I'm a guy that's almost 43 years old, been wrestling for 22 years, have had a huge injury, and trying to come back and do what you do at a, at a at a higher level is absolutely hard and almost impossible because you doubt yourself, and then. Part of you says, man, I need, you know, I want to be paid the way that I was six years ago, seven years ago when I was on top because this is what I did. This is who I am. I'm still this person. And um, it it becomes an ego thing and it's so hard. It's just so hard to give up because your mind is telling you that you can play at, at this high level. It's just you need the right break. You need the you know the right month, and and when it doesn't happen, it, it becomes frustrating. And then you hear people complain and and you know get on you, and it becomes so frustrating because what, what do you say? You you can't really attack back. You have to like you have to take it, and that's one of the problems of being a celebrity, being a ball player that's making twenty five million dollars because normal fans that make $15 an hour that have three kids and can only go to, um, 
can only go to the the Jersey Shore for four days out of the year saying this guy's getting paid $25 million and he's expected to do this. And it becomes a, you know, a a matter of, you know, what have you done for me lately? And and both sides just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's going to be a situation that, you know, I'm personally, I'm going to be glad is, is resolved one way or the other uh, in October, you know, in November 1st, it'll be, Hopefully done by then. Um, you know, we talked about Stasi maybe playing a little bit of left field. Um, I'd like to focus in on the outfield because I think the big news this weekend, uh, we first heard that Aaron Altair um, had an injury. At first, it was said it was not to be serious. On Monday morning, he flew to Philadelphia. Um, he had hit a big, big home run in the second game, the, the tie against Toronto. Hurt his wrist diving or, or hurt his arm and and uh you know he got ice cold and flew to philly monday not so serious not so serious my colleague Corey seidman at comcast sportsnet and then uh jim salisbury both reporting he's going to need surgery four to six months <clears throat> so there's a guy that again not a spring chicken you know a lot of the fans think a lot of the Phillies fans think Aaron Altair is, you know, one of the young young blood, young guns, and certainly he had an opportunity to be. Uh, but now he's going to miss his entire age twenty five season, and that puts the Phillies in an interesting position because they have some guys who are actually playing pretty well in the spring, and it might not open an opportunity up for for one of those guys. So, Steve, I know we have Peter Borges in left, Odubel Herrera in center. Um, Right field became a question mark with the injury, and and who do you think might might step in for that? Oh, see, there's the thing. Right now, today, if you if you go by what's going on, I think Hunter gets that spot. Um, oh, interesting. He's been doing great, and uh, this is going to sound awful. It's going to sound really, really oh, awful. No, I'll put the earmuffs in. I am so mad at Altair. Really? Now, okay, he hit 150 uh, as a September call up in the show. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> You know, he's made two errors, you know, as as a left fielder. I get it. It's okay. But how dare you? How dare you, Mr. Altair, wear number 23? How dare you? You are not. That's where this is going. You are not even Randy Reddy. (laughs) Former San Diego Padres great Randy Reddy. Part of one of the best trades in Philly's history, including John Crook. Sandberg hasn't even been gone a year, and you're going to give – he is a Hall of Famer. Well, and you're going to take 23? Okay, I get it. He walked away from the team. But when you talk about some of the greatest men in the history of the world, sure, we got Jesus Christ and stuff like that. <laughs> but Ryan Sandberg's top five. How dare you wear his number? Well, let's talk the greatest people on earth. So you have Jesus. I would like to put Santa on the list as well. Uh, Santa? I'll, I'll give you him. Yeah, I'll so I'll, I'll go brother there. Yeah, he's definitely a good brother. Um who, uh, maybe the Philly Fanatic? So you make your list? Absolutely. So well, kind of. Like I had a little heat with the Philly Fanatic once. Yeah. But, I mean, we've, we've, we've made up, I think. You patched it up. And I would assume Don Henley would probably be on your list. Don Henley is definitely on there, yep. And I think, if I had to guess, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think your, your, your great friend and pal, Shinya Hashimoto. Oh, yeah. Well, he was my buddy, so... Um... I don't know if I put him up there, you know, uh, on my Mount Rushmore. I'll, I'll make it with Buddhists, uh, hang out with Jesus. Oh, there you we go. can throw them up there so everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely Sandberg, definitely Don Henley. Uh, 
you know, uh, oh, let me see here. Uh, Tommy Rich, maybe, you know, we got to see there. Uh, Steve Carlton, Mike Schmidt, you know, but how dare him wear 23? Like, who does that? Well, as long as he doesn't wear number nine, because on my on my list, Von Hayes, number one right? with a bullet. Yeah. How can you? Yeah. You know, there's times when I have Dom Brown playing on the show and I'm like, <laughs> man, his stance is so Von Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think my list would be definitely not Dom Brown. Uh, Von Hayes, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, oh, geez. Probably Tito Santana. I'll put Tito Santana me? and Mark Summers. I think that's my; those are my four greatest humans. Wait, of you all like time. Tito Santana? I I loved him as a wrestler. I've never met him. Oh, I just yeah, well, right, well, moving on. So you like Cedric Hunter? He had a walk off homer against uh, against I believe Atlanta. It's been been a little bit. The games are blurring together, but <laughs> he he's doing well. So he's twenty eight. He's a guy um, we talked about earlier. Fisher cut bait. Um, or he's 27. He's going to be 28. He came up pretty early. He came up as a 23 year old with the Padres. And what I, what I like about Hunter, and I think it's a great pick for right field is that he's always hit really, really, really well in the minors. He was a fast mover. He was in AAA by the time he was 19 years old. So, you know, he's a guy that's always kind of skip levels. Um, done really well, and he hasn't really got a shot. He was in the majors, age 23, with the Padres. Other than that, though, I mean, that was 2011, so we're talking five years later, and he's got a shot to be the opening day right fielder for the Phillies. He, he sure does, and, and he's exciting. Uh, the walk-off was great. Uh, his, his little snafu with the ball that he, he didn't think he hit, or... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was weird. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I like him a lot. I, I like every candidate. Uh, I'm not sold on Borges in, in center. I, I like him as a, a fourth or fifth outfielder. But, you know, what do you have? Um, Herrera, I guess, would be your best bet. But, man, um, it, it should be cool. But I, I as of today, today I, I think Hunter's that guy. Yeah, and it, it's going to be interesting because I think it's between, in my opinion, definitely between Hunter, uh, David Lowe, who yeah. – was who for ardent baseball fans finished eighth in the rookie of the year voting in 2013 uh, with the Royals and uh, and Tyler Goodell who we both like a bit the 23 year old Rule Five pick and it's going to be really cool because in my opinion on paper this outfield is already an instant upgrade compared to last year's if you go position to position Herrera is obviously a push it's the same player but I think he gets a little better um. Yeah, I think, you know, whether you put Hunter, Goodell, Borges, or or Lowe in any of those, you know, remaining two spots, I think it's already an upgrade. Now, with Goodell, he um, he's going to have to stay on the roster, right? For Or if, or he can be shipped back to, I forget where he came from. Yeah, he, he came from Tampa. So he has to stay, um, or they have to trade for him. Um and then he has to clear waivers and the whole whole process. Um, yeah, he can, he can be he can be offered back to Toronto, right, or um, Tampa, right? To Tampa, right. And um, I think the what's left of the regime that let Ender and Ciarte <laughs> go, yeah. uh, it might get cold feet about that because they uh, they had a diamond in the rough there and went on to sign Delman Young <laughs> and ruined and ruined all of that. So Ugh. you know, I think. Oh Oh, I know. 
But never like that guy. No, and you know, almost I mean, George Bellish. Yeah, well, the extracurriculars. I mean, I think yeah. he should have done the weight loss challenge, but the <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the highly insensitive weight loss challenge, no less. But Goodell, um, you know, he's sitting two seventy three after Wednesday. He's he's looked comfortable. He's looked like you know he looks like he belongs at age twenty three. So I mean, I would like him to get a shot. I know he's been an infielder for most of his. Uh, for most of his career, but the last year, last year he was with the Rays. He played a lot of outfield, so we'll we'll see. He's got some versatility. He can play all three spots, and also some third base. So who knows? But I doubt Franco's going anywhere. Uh, and you know what? And I like these guys that have these different options of where to play. Like you know, put him at first, put him at left, put him at third. You know, it, it, the the more the better. What's wrong with five utility guys? You know, I'm yeah. Um, I, I I like it. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the early 90s Phillies teams that that were kind of fumbling around until they figured out what they wanted to do and then they went all in, you know, cuz you had you had Cruck playing a little bit of right field, a little bit of first base. Uh, you had Ricky Jordan doing the same thing. He played left, right, first. You had guys, you know, Von Hayes played center field and first base and a little bit of third base too at the end of 89, you know, and 90. So, you know, it feels like that and to me, that's a good sign. That's a, you know, that's a sign of a team that kind of knows where they're at, and they kind of know that they're probably not going to win this year, and that they might shuffle through some guys and and see what's happening. One one name that's conspicuous by his absence, Cody Ashy. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think Cody's the odd man out here. Yeah, and he, you know, he's battling injury. I understand that, but uh, he just doesn't seem. You know, it just doesn't seem like he's going to get going. Um, Rotowire ran a story about, you know, a possible increase, you know, playing time. I don't know if that's the case. He's still batting the oblique. Meanwhile, you know, we have those five guys, Hunter, Lowe, Borges, uh, Herrera, and Goodell, who are all hitting pretty well. And we also have Roman Quinn, who's the speedster, who's, you know, he's also hitting well. He's hitting, you know, 313, as we mentioned earlier. So, I mean, I think the window for Cody Ashy to make this team, it's slowly closing. Um, and he's going to have to do something relatively incredible, I think, to make the team. Yeah, and, and I mean, think about that. Well, I mean, we've been talking for the last 30 minutes, and, and I think that the common denominator that we've been coming up with for this Phillies team is they have options. Mm-hmm. They have so many different options whether it be for first, whether it be for catcher, whether it be for right field and a backup plan to the backup plan. And, and this is what excites me about this team. And, um, man, I, I think that, you know, whoever wins the right field job, whoever wins the catching job, whoever wins the, um, you know, the, uh, the, every, every job out there, mm-hmm. It's you know it's going to be an exciting time and we're and I, I believe there you're going to have to throw some poop up against the wall and, and see what sticks on on some things and and I believe that Pete McCannon has has the right you know frame of mind of who's going to be doing what he you know he's think about it, he's been with the team for a long time so he right. knows what's going on he's got Larry Boa right there they have a lot of options and I, I think this has um, has to do you know, with, with the, the new management system and what the, these great, great trades and, you know, and for, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Ruben won't get the, the credit that he, he deserves for those last few trades, but yeah, 
that's that's going to be kind of strange if this team, you know, if, if you like you said, if the poop hits the wall and it sticks and they the rubber hits the road and they start winning. I mean, it's going to be guys that for the most part he traded for outside, yeah. of, outside of the Giles trade and guys that he drafted. So <laughs> I mean, going to have a little Ed Wade syndrome, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, and that's. That's the unfortunate part of baseball and stuff like that. But, you know, it's going to be an exciting team. This is going to be the most exciting 72 and 90 team out there. (laughs) Right. Well, and and speaking of excitement and uncertainty, I'm going to throw it to the bullpen. Now, we discussed before we started recording, we have no idea what's going to (laughs) happen. No. We, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what's happening here. I tried to make a cheat sheet. I sent it to you. I mean, I, you know, Severino Gonzalez, we, Severino Gonzalez, obviously a starter. He's looked bad. Um, so I've crossed him off my list in terms of pitchers. I've crossed Gregory Infante off my list. He's looked bad. He's always had strikeout stuff. He's always had close to a strikeout printing in the minors, but he's averaged a half a walk printing. He's already 28. I, I think it's time to tell him to take a hike. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Buchanan looked good, which was weird. I didn't expect that. Um, Overholzer, again, he's another starter. It looked weird. Renard Ro- <laughs> Robal, who I always get his name incorrect, but he didn't pitch between 2012 and 2015, but was a surprise star out of Reading's bullpen last year. Um, he's looked okay. He might be a candidate for Lehigh Valley. Um you know, other than that, no one to me has really jumped out except for the left-handed specialist battle, which I know is one that everybody's been looking forward to. And <laughs> I say that uh, I say that with the most intended sarcasm possible. James Russell uh, and Stump, who might be my best, my favorite name on the team this year, uh, Daniel Stump, who is the second Rule Five pick for the Phillies. Um, they've actually been really, really, really good. Um, I think, you know, usually a team only carries one lefty. It wouldn't surprise me, um, to see both of these guys on the team. They both pitch really well. Yeah. And, and I, I love the, the pitching's been way better. Once again, once again, way better than I I expected it to, especially this early. Mm -hmm. Um, and it will, you know, we'll see what happens and stuff like that. But here, here's my little thing about what what's going to go on with the closer rule. Do we really need one right now? Do, can uh, we go by committee? You know, Seventy two wins. You know who? I don't know. Like you know, what I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that uh, we have to see what's going to happen. And but I really don't. Um, I really don't know. You know, if we need a closer right now, we can we can wait. We could go by committee and once again just throw it against the wall, see what sticks. You know, we, we could find a, a diamond in the rough and and maybe um, you know maybe we we find somebody that we didn't have any any idea was going to be good. Yeah, I mean that happened a couple years ago with Luis Garcia, who I think is in danger this year of not making the team. He's he hasn't pitched very well. Um, and that does happen occasionally. I mean, Ken Giles was a guy who had a reputation for throwing hard. Uh, he made the jump to hundred, hundred miles Giles and, mm. uh, worked on his control. And all of a sudden he's a valuable enough commodity that he lands you quite a haul in a trade. Um, you know, there, 
there's guys like Robal who always get his name wrong. I always want to say Roy Bell. Uh, he's a guy that he's kind of come out of nowhere, took three years off, came back, and <laughs> all of a sudden he's in Major League Spring Training and and doing pretty well. Um, I mean, there there are a couple names I think we can cross off the list. Uh, Greg Burke, who I wish would make the team because he's from Marlton, New Jersey, right across the river. Uh, don't think he's going to make the team. Nine eighty two ERA. He's got a career oh. whip. yeah career whip close to two. I don't see really him making the team. Uh, Hector Neris, he's done okay, um, but again, I, I don't see him making the team in the long run. And again, this bullpen, it's murky, it's cloudy. Um, I, I think the most interesting battle is Russell versus Stumpf. Um, two lefties, I think both have a shot to make the team now. I think both have pitched that well. But other than that, man, I think you're right. Like, I mean, the presumptive closer goes down. And the interesting thing was, A, no one panicked, <laughs> and B, um, yeah, everybody just kind of shrugged their shoulders and things went on. I mean, Andrew Bailey returned, which was a good, was cool thing. Came back, he's ready to go, he's pitching. And, um, I mean, other than that, one, you know, one guy that did actually stand out, though, and I'll, I'll point this out, um, he was used as a starter last year, got hit pretty hard, but he's had some interesting games and interesting stuff. Alec Asher, who started one of the games today, I think he could be a very, 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 very good reliever. I agree. I, I totally agree. You know, he's he's six four. He's got a you know very you know very good mechanics. I think he's got the mechanics where he can he can beat you the first time through the lineup. I think the second time you you see him a little bit better. But six four two thirty. big big guy. He's from Lakeland, <laughs> so you know he's. I think he's an interesting piece that can go on to be be a bullpen guy, and he's only 24, so a lot of time still to develop there. He's a guy that, even though he gave up a home run today, I think he could end up making this team as a reliever. And, and that would be good, you know. Once again, a, a guy out of nowhere. They're, they're, who? How many? How many times do you know we see people that are on the radar and they they don't pan out? Some of these guys that we have aren't on the radar in. That's the cool thing, you know. We're gonna, we got to, we got to do this now and 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 build for this future that that we that we have. And man, is this team is once again, it's so exciting, so exciting. I'm 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 pumped for it. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the big names we missed: uh, Elvis Arahu and uh, of course Yanmar Gomez, who I think will be the steadying forces. I, I think they're gonna be the. I think they're gonna be the horses. Um, especially if Hernan- David Hernandez can't go as the closer. I, th- I think those two right now um, you know, are my picks to close or maybe do the closer by committee. Uh, you have a lefty and a righty, a lefty and a Rahu, and uh, a righty and Gomez. And uh, that could make some interesting matchups. I mean, you know, who knows? But I think those are, those are my two picks right now, if you held the gun to my head to say who might close in uh, 2016. If David Hernandez can't go, and and you know, I, and we hope that he can go, but mm-hmm. it's, it's it's not looking good. <laughs> yes, but uh, you know, every spring hope springs eternal, as it once says. It's not looking good. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> and uh, we are running close to the end. We're running close to the end. Uh, I wanted to throw a non-baseball thing your way. Okay. Uh, George Martin, the producer of the Beatles, passed away. 
Yes, I was listening to the radio on the. You know, we had a six-hour drive from Asheville today. Ah, okay. Yeah, and, uh, I was listening to that, and I'm I'm a big Beatles fan. So, mm-hmm. and happy anniversary to you and uh, you and Jordan. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of shocking. I, you know, he's one of those guys that you you definitely you know you hear the name, you've seen the documentaries, you see him in it. Uh, very interesting personality. I believe he was knighted. <laughs> so yes, yeah, uh, one of the few record producers to ever be knighted. Uh, and of course, he had so much cultural significance. My question to you is: Of the Beatles, whose solo career did you enjoy the most? I know you're a big uh, music head. Okay, so that, that's cr- a great question. Um, and it's it's crazy to say I, I I'm a McCartney guy. I okay. I, I love Lennon, but uh, I'm a McCartney guy. I, I I believe that you know his staying power and everything like that, but. George Harrison had some amazing singles. Yeah. Um, you know, and so did Lennon. And, you know, what would happen if, if Lennon would still be living today? I mean, they would have had to do a, a reunion tour and, and, you know, we would be seeing them in Vegas still in in their seventies. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm definitely going to go McCartney. What about you? So I'm thinking almost the exact same wavelength. I think Ringo's underrated. I think he had I think he had three U.S. number ones. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. um, Don't Come Easy is is great for both the, the both uh, for the gym and for the supermarket. It works yes. in both places. Um, so <laughs> wonderful song, uh, and of course his only version of Only You uh, gets played all the time in in Allentown, Pennsylvania, on the radio <laughs> there. But uh, see, I. I'll go with George. I think Paul is the most consistent. I think Paul has the best energy. But to me, George is the home run hitter. So his singles, you mentioned the singles. I'm thinking, what is life? What uh, is life? I, I heard that on the way here. Yeah. Like, when I hear that, the... Oh, what was another one he had that was just... Oh, whenever I hear it, I'm, I'm, man, it's, it's so good. And, of course, it's off the... Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, and they vary so much. I know um, I got I got my mind set on you as the one he he got made fun of. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that was uh, was a bad one. Even his stuff with the the traveling Wilburys. Oh was, yeah, you know, oh, enjoyable. I really like the album. I think it's thirty three and a third. Uh, it's got Crackerbox Palace on it. It's got a a couple. It, it's not one of his more revered albums, and no huge singles came from it. But that's actually my favorite uh george george harrison record uh i like him as as the home run hitter although i was listening to wingspan um earlier today the the paul mccartney and wings greatest hits compilation and there's not a song i skip on on either of the the discs no absolutely i believe that wings paul mccartney and wings is it totally totally underrated uh band yeah so interesting well you know George Martin will certainly certainly miss him, as you can see. We're, we'll probably be talking about him and the Beatles for the next hundred to maybe two hundred years. But one thing we will close with today is our trivia question. And last week we asked Phillies Nation listeners to name the key pitcher on the two thousand seven roster. Uh, key was a little tongue in cheek. Uh, the key pitcher on the two thousand seven roster that gave himself the nickname "the real deal," while <laughs> with the Minnesota Twins, Seattle Mariners. Steve, did you know this one? I didn't. I, you know what? My first, uh, my first thought was Brett Myers. Ah. And then, um, but the, yeah, then I, I knew right away it wasn't that wasn't right. Yeah, it was actually 
the real deal was J.D. Durbin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The did, so, did someone have that right? We had one person get it right just before the 8 o'clock deadline on Saturday morning. Uh, the Twitter handle, my, my screen just uh, scrolled through. But if you were the person that got that right, if you were the first person to get that right, uh, we will be reaching out to you, sending out your Phillies Nation podcast prize. So, yeah, J.D. Durbin, who actually, I, I think he went 4-6 and six with the Phillies. Yeah, I, I say, <laughs> and he was on. I believe he was on the forty man the entire year for the for the two thousand eight team because I know he was in spring training, and I know he didn't get called up. So, huh. yeah, but uh, yeah, six and five. I'm sorry, uh, eighteen games, ten starts, five point one five ERA. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, always confused with Chad Durbin, right? So they actually had both of them at the same time. Yes, um, but well, unrelated it, too, right? Unrelated, and it. It sadly did not lead to the one of my favorite situations in sports where you have the first name on the back of the back of the jersey. <laughs> so, it's true. I, I always like that. Yeah, so they, they did cross over in the 2008 spring training. Uh, Chad Durbin joined the Phillies in 2008. So very, very briefly together <laughs> on the team there. Uh, this week's trivia question, I think you're going to get this one, Steve, but uh, hold your answer because we'd like to give someone a great prize from Phillies Nation. From well, our... it all depends on the prize, you know. If it's a good prize, I, I may blurt it out. <laughs> well, and our prize this week, they it comes from our sponsors, which of course are is Shy Vintage Sports down in Philadelphia. If you're looking for the latest and greatest in classic Philadelphia sports apparel, including the shirt I'm wearing right now, uh, the shirt from the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL. Also available there, the shirts from the Spectrum with the Spectrum logo. Very, very cool place. It is down on 137 South 13th Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You can also go to shyvintagesports.com. They have awesome, awesome gear, awesome t-shirts. They design a lot of them themselves. Brian Michael, Johnny Goodtimes, they're down there. I, I don't know if Goodtimes is his real is his birth last name. I've never asked. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's Philly. Yeah, it's it's Philly. And uh, great Quizzo host, hosts a lot of events around town. You can check them out, shyvintagesports.com. And our other sponsor is the 100 Greatest Phillies of All Time, now available on Amazon. Uh, it was number one in the baseball category in terms of uh, new releases. Also was the hot-selling sports item the week of August 31st. It went to number one. Of course, it is out and available. You want to read that and catch up before the season starts on opening day. And uh, this week, the trivia question is... The 1983 Phillies, the Wheeze Kids, they had two pitchers who would either have already won or won the Cy Young. I'm sorry, they had three. I misread my own notes there. There were three pitchers on that team that had either won or would go on to win the Cy Young. One of them was Steve Carlton. The uh, Another was John Denny, who, of course, won the Cy Young in 1983 for the Wheeze Kids. I need the Phillies Nation listeners to tell me the third pitcher on the 1983 Phillies that had either won or would go on to win the Cy Young Award. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, so we're going to throw like that out it. there. You can tweet at Phillies Nation with the answer. Um, anytime before Saturday at 8 a.m. this Saturday, which is uh, March 12th. Because on Saturday, Steve, we're going to be recording a live Phillies Nation podcast. 
from the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia, where the Ring of Honor show will be taking place. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I invite all the, the Phillies fans to come hang out with us before the show. You know, we're going to be doing the, a live podcast um, and, uh, you know, be a part of it. Shake our hands. Tell us what you want to see from the Phillies. You know, we always have time. We'll walk over to Tony Luke's. You guys can buy some cheesesteaks. You know, it'll all work out. Uh, you know, I, I might take a, a trip down to the uh, the old store to see what kind of vintage Philly stuff that I can get. And, uh, yeah, but you, we're going to be doing that podcast live from uh, South Philadelphia. I'll be up and uh, before the, the Ring of Honor event at the old ECW arena. Yeah, and we're going to be yelling at Kevin Kelly, uh, hopefully live on the podcast. We'll yell at him about the Mets, even yes, if he doesn't join us. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to bug him and Tim Hughes, who are both uh, ardent Mets fans, and uh, run them through the ringer. Because I have a feeling they're not going to do as well this year. And so I'm going to take great joy in that, even as the Phillies are 72 and 90. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least we know we're going to be that bad. Right, right. <laughs> so, Steve, I know uh, we got a, we had a lot of new listeners for Episode 3. Episode 4, for the folks who may be hearing us for the first time, where can they uh, connect with you? They can connect with me on Twitter at King Carino or on my website that I haven't updated in, in forever, worldofcarino.com. And uh, yeah, you can catch me there. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I certainly, on behalf of Steve, I just want to thank everybody. We, uh, we are once again in the new and notable category on iTunes. So thank you for the immediate outpouring of support. Certainly felt it's helped us get sponsors. It's helped us to upgrade bandwidth. So we certainly appreciate that. And uh, we certainly enjoy bringing the Phillies news to you each and every week. And uh, so for Steve Carino, I'm Ian Riccoboni. You can find me at Ian Riccoboni on Twitter. And uh, hey, why don't you come out to the 2300 Arena, to the old ECW Arena. Enjoy some Ring of Honor action. I know Steve will be there. His DVDs will be there. You can get the worst of Steve Carino (laughs) on DVD. Sure can. And uh, yeah, then I'll be milling around. And uh, you can certainly flag us down, talk some Phillies. Until then, though... For Steve Carino, the king of old school, I am Ian Riccoboni, and we will chat some Phillies with you this weekend. Thanks. Thanks.